Hello and welcome back to Tabling the Podcast. My name is Ariana Karp and I'm here with a wonderful group of actors that it's going to take us through Act 5 across the finish line. Oh my god, OMG, OMG of Taming of the Shrew. Um, we took two episodes to get through Act 4, which is the longest episode, uh, longest episode, uh, the longest act in the play. And now we have just two final scenes We've got the whole Bianca Lucentio, Tranio, Pedant, Baptista, question mark. How's it all going to resolve? Um, and then we also have, where do we end with Kate and Petruchio? What have we learned? Where, where, where have we, where are we going? Um, so without further ado, let's just launch into 5-1 and I will just read Biondello here. Softly and swiftly, sir, for the priest is ready. I fly beyond Dello, but they may chance to need thee at home. Therefore, leave us. Nay, Faith, I'll see the church at your back, and then come back to my master as soon as I can. I marvel Cambio comes not all this while. Sir, here's the door. This is Lucentio's house. My father's bears more toward the marketplace. Thither must I, and here I leave you, sir. You shall not choose but drink before you go. I think I shall command your welcome here, and by all likelihood, some cheer is toward. They're busy within. You were best knock louder. What's he that knocks as he would beat down the gate? Is Signor Lucentio within, sir? He's within, sir, but not to be spoken withal. What if a man bring him a hundred pound or two to make merry withal? Keep your hundred pounds to yourself. He shall need none so long as I live. Nay, I told you your son was well-beloved and Beloved in Padua, do you hear, sir, to leave frivolous circumstances? I pray you tell Signor Lucentio that his father has come from Pisa and is here at the door to speak with him. Thou liest. His father has come from Mantua and here, and here looking out at the window. Art thou his father? Ay, sir, so his mother says, if I may believe her. Why, how now, gentlemen? Why, this is flat knavery to take upon you. An, why, this is flat knavery to take upon you another man's name. Lay hands on the villain. I believe it means to cousin somebody in the city under my countenance. I have seen them in the church together. God send them good shipping. But who is here? Mine old master Vincentio. Now we are undone and brought to nothing. Sorry, I don't know why I just turned into Keanu Reeves in Point Break, but I did. So there we go. Come hither, Keanu Reeves. Come hither, crack hemp. I hope I made shoes, sir. Come hither, you rogue. What, have you forgot me? Forgot you? No, sir, I could not forget you, for I never saw you before in all my life. What, you notorious villain? Didst thou never see thy master's father, Vincentio? What, my old worshipful old master? Yes, marry, sir. See where he looks out of the window. It is so indeed. Help, help, help. Here's a madman will murder me. Help, son, help, Senor Baptista. Prithee, Kate, let's stand aside and see the end of this controversy. Sir, what are you that offer to beat my servant? What am I, sir? Nay, what are you, sir? Oh, immortal gods. Oh, fine villain. A silken doublet, a velvet hose, a scarlet cloak, and a... Oh, well, and a... Cup and tank. Cup and tank. Okay, cool. Exactly as it looks. Great. A scarlet cloak and a cup and tank hat. Oh, I am undone. I am undone. While I play the good husband at home, my son and my servant spend all at the university. How now? What's the matter? What, is the man lunatic? 
Sir, you seem a sober, ancient gentleman by your habit, but your words show you are a madman. Why, sir, what cerns at you if I wear pearl and gold? I thank my good father I am able to maintain it. Thy father, oh, villain, he is a sailmaker in Bergamo? Mm -hmm. Bergamo, ha-ha. You mistake, sir, you mistake, sir. Pray, what do you think is his name? His name, as if I knew not his name. I have brought him up ever since he was three years old, and his name is Tranio. Away, away, madass. His name is Lucentio, and he is mine only son and heir to the lands of me, Signor Vincentio. Lucentio? Oh, he hath murdered his master. Lay hold on him, I charge you in the Duke's name. Oh, my son, my son, tell me, thou villain, where is my son, Lucentio? Call forth an officer. Carry this mad knave to the jail. Father Baptista, I charge you, see that he be forthcoming. Carry me to the jail? Say, officer, he shall not go to prison. Talk not, Signor Gremio, I say he shall go to prison. Take heed, Signor Baptista, lest you be coney cashed in this business. I dare swear this is the right Vincentio. Swear, if thou darest. Nay, I, I dare not swear it. Then thou wert best say that I am not Lucentio. Yes, I know thee to be Signor Lucentio. Away with the dotard, to the jail with him. The strangers may be hailed and abused, O oh, monstrous villain. Oh, we are spoiled, and yonder he is. Deny him, forswear him, or else we are all undone. Pardon, sweet father. Lives, my sweet son. Pardon, dear father. How oh, hast thou offended? Where is Lucentio? Here's Lucentio. Right son to the right Vincentio, that have by marriage made thy daughter mine, while counterfeit supposed bleared thine eyes. I'm? I'm. I'm. It rhymes. <laughs> that here's, makes it easier. Here's packing with a witness to deceive us all. Where is that damned villain Tranio that faced and braved me in this matter so? I tell me, is not this my cambio? Cambio is changed into Lucentio. Love wrought these miracles. Bianca's love made me exchange my state with Tranio while he did bear my countenance in the town, and happily I have arrived at the last, unto the wished haven of my bliss, what Tranio did myself and forced him to, then pardon him, sweet father, for my sake. I'll slit the villain's nose that would have him. I'll slit the villain's nose that would have sent me to jail. But do you hear, sir? Have you married my daughter without asking my good will? Fear not, Baptista, we will content you. Go to, but I will into but I will in to be revenged for this villainy. And I to sound the depth of this knavery. Look not pale, Bianca. Thy father will not frown. My cake is dough, but all in among the rest, out of hope of all, but my share of the feast. Husband, let's follow to see the end of this ado. First kiss me, Kate, and we will. What? In the midst of the street? What? Art thou ashamed of me? No, sir, God forbid, but ashamed to kiss. Why then? Let's home again. Come, Sierra, let's away. Nay, I will give thee a kiss. Now pray thee, love, stay. It's not this well. Come, my sweet Kate. Better once than never, for never too late. Okay. Thank you, all of you, for who are doing double duty with those. Um, uh, <laughs> playing two characters is always entertaining uh I, I did want to share there was a um production in oxford like an oxford university players production where christopher sly was um 
playing both the officer and Vincentio, um, like reading the parts. So the thing, carry me to the jail. He was like, how do I carry myself to the jail? <laughs> it was like, you could see like the whole thing was he was trying to figure out how to do the staging, like as he was reading the line. Um, but I, I think this is definitely like the peak of slapstick for this sort of parallel plot, as it were. Um, were there any... I. It is kind of a one unit scene, even though we have this little bit with Kate and Petruchio at the end, the whole thing seems to be, seems to me to be like, now Kate and Petruchio are watching a play and they're the spectators, you know? I get the feeling of a play within a play because they just, they sort of sit by and I feel like normally both of them would have gotten totally involved, but they don't, right? They just kind of sit at the sidelines and then at the end, Kate is like, ooh, I wanna see what happens next. You know, so there's there's something that's very nice about that to me, and that um, it's almost like they're they can observe and receive something and not be totally entrenched in it, um, which seems to be one of the first times in the play that that happens. That was just something that um, struck me. Any other any any thoughts? Any sort of impressions? Like how this crazy plot has resolved itself it feels like you know that that feeling at the end of an early shakespeare comedy where everyone starts running around in circles and it all yeah. starts really fast i think of comedy of errors and dromeo and everyone's beating each other and yeah mm -hmm. and there's disguise upon disguise too and i mean i i just i feel like this is like where you know, like noises off comes from this kind of like mistaken identity, wrong costume, like falling down the stairs, like that kind of line of comedy in theater history is sort of directly coming, of course, from Commedia. Um, but that this, this seems like a very Commedia scene. So I just think it's funny that the pedant, as soon as like the, the, the gig is up, he <laughs> doesn't he just doesn't say anything and nobody asks like so who is this guy <laughs> like, who are you yeah he's just standing there <laughs> silently <laughs> no accountability whatsoever <laughs> like well it does say it's it's funny in in here it says like as soon as lucentio and bianca and and biondello like sort of re-enter it says exit Biondello, Tranio, and the pedant as fast as may be. <laughs> right? Like, so it's like oh, Lucentio oh. and Bianca come in and they're like, oh shit. And then they like run away. Uh, but I do agree. It's like, how does this get resolved with, with the, we do leave with both of the fathers being like, I am upset. I want to figure out what has happened. Why have I been deceived? You know? Wait, is this the last time we hear anything about this? We'll kind find out. Of? Kind of, I'm going to say kind of, because we don't really get a lot more information about any of these people, but what we do um, experience is a sort of new social position for Tronio, and that Tronio is sort of at the wedding table, right, is like a sort of honored guest, and it does seem to me that Tronio has been able to use a lever use his position and getting to know all of these wealthy people as a lever to sort of push his way up in society, as it were. Um, he also has Lucentio's backing, it sounds like. Mm, oh, no, mm. I, 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 Lucentio's like, I, I totally told him to do this. So like, that, that that's on me, guys. He, yeah. he's, <laughs> but I, I think there's, 
Oh, sure. sorry. Go ahead, please. Go I was ahead, just. Corey. It was what the last thing you said at the very beginning. I thought was interesting, and in, in how this is kind of the first scene of public disorder that isn't caused by Kate or Petruchio, and they happen to just be watching. I think there's a lot of play you could do um, in choosing how they perceive this, like. Did either of them expect this? I think Petruchio kind of, he knew he was going to come in and we've talked a lot about this, right? Like be crazier than she is and kind of how, you know, that's how he'll kind of be able to turn her around or subdue her. And then they both walk outside and there's these people doing it worse than they are. And they're <laughs> like, oh, is this interesting? This is okay. Hmm. Uh, it's, it's also like a normalizing factor for them. It kind of makes them just one of the community. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I do wonder if there's like, because the, the, the way that they address each other at the end is so affectionate, um, because sweet love, you know, husband, all of these, all of these things. I do wonder if there's, I don't know, in my mind, I have like Petruchio and Kate, like during the slapstick, sort of looking at each other, like, ah, remember when we were young and we used to do that, you know, like, <laughs> I just, I feel like there is an opportunity for them to sort of establish a like, Oh, to be young, like they've been married for like a week, but I still feel that there could be a really funny moment of, of them kind of looking at each other and like, either it provokes embarrassment of like, oh my God, we're just, we're all so fucked up or it, it, you know, provokes something like wistfulness, you know, like a memory or something for, for what once was in this very place. Um, I the other thing I I that just popped into my head that I wanted to mention about this is like that it struck me as we were reading it that it's so similar to the uh, induction sequence where um you know the the different people are going in and reinforcing the lie that he is this nobleman that why. Yeah. And the, you know the page comes in pretends to be his wife, and then this person comes in and pretends that right. And it, it this sort of thing happens again, where they're all like, you've got somebody who's not who he's saying he is, but all these other people are sort of gaslighting, right? And being like, no, that's exactly who, right, and and like holding up this lie. It's just I don't know, just kind of an interesting. Um, it would be weird to see like if you did still somehow have it staged where Sly and the page and everybody was still visible watching this yeah you know like what does that do and and obviously if sly is like up there playing this part that that, that takes it to a whole other level but yeah yeah no that's an interesting concept and also just something to track that we haven't really talked about the the players from the induction and by players i i I, I mean, everyone from the induction, not just the, the actual players who presumably are the people playing Kate and Petruchio and Bianca and Lucentio and Baptista and et cetera. Um, but that it is, a, it is a great question of like, when, if you're staging this, like, do they stay visible the whole time? How are they reacting? Is this all slapped stick to them? Are they rolling in the aisles? Like, does Sly fall asleep? Like, what, what is, what, how, like, how are they receiving this as an audience? And um, if they do disappear, when does that happen? You know, is it intermission? Um, it, it does It does beg a lot of questions. Uh, I do love this. <laughs> um, I love the 
Lucentio Vincentio Bianca Baptista sequence, just to sort of go back to the, the scene of the pardon, sweet father. And then Vincentio is just like, you're alive. And Bianca's like, pardon, sweet father. And Baptista's like, what have you done? You know, like, I, I just love that, like, Baptista, just as a, a character arc, is like, wait a second, wait, what? And as we're going to see in the next scene, like, he has just, like, he just doesn't know his daughters. <laughs> um, yeah, Allie. <laughs> On a similar note, um, I think it's really fun that when Lucentio is saying, you know, I married her. Like Vincentio's immediate reaction is just like, where's that Tranio guy? <laughs> and then Lucentio again has this, this whole little speech about how it all went down. And Vincentio's reaction is still like very Tranio focused. Oh yeah. Like no reaction to that really at all. And then Baptista's like, wait, did you marry without my consent? And Vincentio's still like, don't worry about it. I'll give her tons of money. <laughs> but I am going to get that guy. But I will get Tronio. <laughs> it is really, yeah. I'm, I, I'm wondering, Carol, if you have any thoughts about, about Baptista in this scene and sort of the relationships that he thinks he's built that he now realizes are all neighboring. Right, right. and I, again, that, that, that feeling of everybody running around madly flows through the whole scene so for Baptista that he's just it's so confusing and you know I think if you did have Sly and company you know up on the balcony watching this stuff um maybe a light bulb would start to go on over poor Sly's head how complicated it is to maintain a lie right also yeah. is part of what I get from this scene it's like how how much sort of committing to the bit <laughs> all these people are doing um in order to sort of make this happen and then just again as we've discussed like what was the risk like what was the risk in asking his father he seems totally fine with it and lucentio doesn't even seem worried that baptista is going to be not okay with this like i, I just can i ask a question yeah please Maybe go ahead just missed this but was it said why the real vincentio has come there he came to visit his son just just for a visit just for a visit and yet it was so hard to ask him <laughs> it's ridiculous <laughs> thank you i think it's not that it's like too hard i think it's just that it's less fun right yes it's like yes. more real like there's paperwork that down yes. that road like well, just I hate bureaucracy. <laughs> this this whole thing is also like a seed of farce. I feel like this this you know the whole joke of like there's a lie and all these people are trying to uphold the lie and like how far can you push it before it falls apart? How many new people can come in who know something different? And you know that that can sort of be developed into a whole farcical thing. I feel like. Yeah, and the changing costumes and the, I mean, I love that Vincentio's like, oh, God, I've been such a responsible financial, I've led such a good ordered household, and my son and his servants have spent it all at university, which is like, I'm sure for like any parents of any college kids in the audience, that's like the funniest yeah. line in the whole play. <laughs> like, oh, God. <laughs> My kid took all my money because he's addicted to booze and he's a freshman. 
know, like it's like, oh, that seems like a real, a real moment. <laughs> there's a lot of, there's actually quite a lot of humor about sons at university costing an arm and a leg. Um, in Henry the Fourth, uh, Part Two, uh, Justice Shallow says to his cousin Silence, "Oh, and is young William still at Oxford?" And he goes, "Ah, oh, yes, to my cost." Right, and they make this old joke about how much money it costs to put a kid through college. So it is, it is really nice those things that like haven't changed, right? That like <laughs> it still costs an arm and a leg to put your kid through college. And that I, I don't know, there's something about that, that um, this came up in, in Two Gentlemen, like the, the bit about the sort of purity of love that Lance has for Crab and that any dog owner has experienced of like, I will do anything for you, please stop peeing on my rug, you know, like, <laughs> and that that level of love, like, has not changed over the centuries is somehow, like, really, like, that people still love their dogs that way, right? That 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 is, like, a, a universal kind of feeling through the ages, and I feel like similarly here, the humor about, oh my god, my kid costs so much money, I've, I've just wasted all my I've spent all my savings on putting them through, through college was clearly like then and now is like this is a common theme always to me like grounds these plays those moments like really ground these plays like ah some things never change right this definitely seems like a transitional scene and I I do want to talk a little bit about the resolution because for my money it's just Lucentio and Bianca saying pardon please and then like the conflict is resolved question mark did anyone else get anything out of that whole scene like there just doesn't i don't know there's yeah, no pleading so it's just like please i beg your pardon it, it all resolves way too fast and unnaturally yeah. it's like okay yeah. okay let's go with this yeah well it's also weird that like lucentio goes your father your father will not he'll, he'll be fine don't don't worry bianca he's fine and then they just walk out leaving gremio to say my cake is dough it's like that's the re resolution <laughs> i think it's a nice um like father like son moment where he's kind of echoing vincentio yes fear not like baptista fear not bianca yeah i like that that's nice I feel like Lucentio was just a kid who was allowed to get away with anything. <laughs> just especially like the way that his dad talks to him too. Like my sweet son. It just it like reminds me of like Aunt Petunia and Harry Potter. Like Diddykins, you know, like <laughs> calling him that when he's like 18 or whatever, you know? And it's, it's this sort of like perpetual babying. And I do wonder if there's like a little tiny bit of that going up like where are the mothers this is what we need to know like where are these <laughs> do mothers think, do you think that that is actually like an intentional part of the joke that that like we spent this whole time building up the the like fear that uh vincentio won't support the marriage or whatever and then when he comes that he's just immediately like oh anything for my son but that tranio that like yeah <laughs> There, if that's really exaggerated that could be actually like pretty funny i you know i think that makes a lot of sense to me that like actually part of the joke is how fast the resolution is and that the audience is like wait but what 
Okay, all right. Go, yeah, see. no problem. The girl's cute. I'll give you all my money. No problem. But Batrania. Yeah. <laughs> but that doesn't make you feel a little bit as the audience, like, well, what the heck I... is that on? Isn't that kind of like Faulty Towers esque? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, no British comedy. It's not ridiculous. So, but I do I mean. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Britt. Oh, I was going to say, yeah. Just thinking about like Patricio's little bit in this, it does feel like you know, towards the end, it kind of gets this nice like. It was a lot going on. Oh my goodness! Oh my goodness! And then it just slows down, and then Kate and Petruchio have that little moment that's not um, as high stakes. So I don't know. It does feel like somehow it, that idea of it resolving very quickly and having some humor in it, just because of the timing and everything. The rest of the scene feels like it would support that. I do also wonder if it, if it again, it serves to give us a different attitude towards Kate and Petruchio of like everyone here is insane. At least let's just put it in perspective. <laughs> yeah, like they're crazy. Everyone but... in this town is insane. You know? <laughs> but like at least Kate and Petruchio have somewhat learned to rein it in. Have like somewhat learned to talk to each other. This does really strike me. This this kiss moment is very important. And I don't quite know why, but it does seem to me that this, and kiss me, Kate, we will be married a Sunday. It's not clear in the script. There's no requirement that there is a kiss there. It could be like, please give me a kiss. And she doesn't. And then we know from Gremio that there was a kiss at their wedding. Um, and then this is... This is the third time, I guess, that this Kiss Me Kate has come up. Um, he says, what art thou ashamed of me? Yeah. And she's like, oh, God, no, 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 I'm with you on this. Yeah. I also, I wonder if, if, if she is with that, oh, no, God forbid, like that she's actually, no, I'm not, because look what we just witnessed. You know, yeah, it could be that, or it could just be PTSD after all the times he's like, "So you're not going to okay? Send the horses back." Uh, yeah, oh, absolutely, I absolutely, and you know, maybe a combination of the two would be the most Shakespearean, right? Um, isn't it also a bit like um, Petruchio's kind of unk, and you know, she's like, "No, I'm I'm not ashamed of you. You're like." my best dream come true babe are they the only two people but, on stage at this point um i think uh yeah i think grumio is probably with them i don't see because my first initial impression of it just was that ashamed to kiss was more of like a i don't know it goes back to that just ashamed of being vulnerable ashamed of like you know yeah i i also wonder if she's like do you really want our first kiss to be in public you know, that that's what I like ashamed this is their first people. Kiss? Like first post wedding kiss. Hmm. I have a question about kissing. I like in Shakespeare specifically. Uh, how do you do it? No. Um <laughs> let's just do it was there. Um I knew that was coming. Yeah, it just came out. Um no, I'm wondering like I've been looking at Romeo and Juliet for another project recently, and obviously there's like, you know, this what is it, sweet palmer's kiss and stuff. Like, but how many how many times do we actually use that word in in Shakespeare? Because I feel like I I don't actually I can't recall a lot of uh, couples kissing, um, and with Romeo and Juliet, it's this very intimate moment 
in the like assumedly it's at the party but it's assumedly kind of private and i can't think of like there's obviously staging where people will kiss but this is so clearly a direction in the lines that shakespeare is giving um so you don't have a choice i I just think it's kind of interesting that it's so that that there's many lines about this kiss and i'm like when else has he even used well kiss there's one there's not only kissing in much ado like in the lines yeah doesn't Cressida say in Troilus and Cressida something about stop my mouth with a kiss? Am I crazy? That's I'm much ado. Right. That sounds right. The one that breaks my heart that um, is, I always think of is when Othello is kissing the sleeping Desdemona before he kills her. There's a lot of language about balmy breath and the kiss and um, smelling the rose on the tree. And there's like a lot of really, really sort of erotic language around um the kiss but yeah you're right it it is very very specific and it's repeated a lot it's really important and kisses i mean i don't know about where england was at this time and we talked a little bit about elizabethan not being the same as victorian but i know that um like a really great film seven samurai by kurosawa in the 50s uh, at the time, like you couldn't show a kiss on screen. And so the when the lovers kissed, he had the camera circling them and it was actually on the back of one of their heads. And then it circles around and they finished the kiss because it was so uh, erotic and censored at the time. Um, so it just makes me think like, what was kissing this really big deal? Because it is a mark of caring and intimacy mm-hmm. to be doing it in a public place like was that something that kate specifically has an issue with or is it something that people in general at the time would have uh thought about that's a good question it's it's actually one that kind of came up in uh henry v during the wooing scene because he says you know i will kiss your hand kate (laughs) because they're all named kate um and uh and she says oh no 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 you can't you can't kiss my hand and then he said then i'll kiss your lips kate and she's like oh my god no 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 this is not the way we do things in france you know like you know we do not kiss before marriage and and henry is like but we make manners we have the ability to change that because we're going to be king and queen so just give me a smooch you know so there is um Definitely. And I I know there were, I know very little about sort of courtly behavior, but I do feel that that, that a a kiss to the sovereign's hand was a mark of fidelity, right? And there was a lot of coded behavior that had to do with um, kissing hands and rings uh, and, and power dynamics were very much set up through these different interactions. Um, yeah, Will. Can I, sorry, I can't let this go for whatever reason, but, um, I wasn't here last time, so I I may be just missing something, but why do you think that this is their first kiss since their wedding? Because to me, this very much feels like they have, you know, established a really nice, comfortable, like, they had some awesome sex a few times, and, like, you know what I mean? Like they—they they just seem like they're in a very different place. So why—why why do we think that they have not kissed yet? Um, good question. I think where this is coming from for me is when they get to Petruchio's house, 
And Petruchio's like, no, we're throwing the meat. We're not going to eat. We're not going to sleep. And one of the servants comes in and, and the other one's like, so what's happening? Like, what's happening in the bedchamber? And the servant is like, he's making a sermon about self-restraint. <laughs> so the implication sure. being that they're not going to be consummating their marriage until it is a consensual agreement. But it seems like it has reached that point where she is but definitely... The last time we saw them, they were fighting. And the time before that, they were fighting as well. So it's only now that we're getting here that we're getting to a point where they're calling each other sweet. Well, he's been calling her sweet for the whole time. How much time has passed, do you think, in Probably between? only a week. Yeah, Allie, please, go ahead. So I'm going to go off-roading for a second here. But I'm just, I'm looking at this last little bit here, and I'm wondering what y'all think as far as, like, do we think Catherine is like sincerely ashamed and like is genuinely opposed to this idea? Or I think there's also a way you could read it where she's being a little coy mm. and maybe the scene is a little more flirty. And I, I, of course, it's probably up to the actors and the director of a production, but what, what do you all think? I think that's awesome. Allie, I think that is a really interesting, it would show her using a new tactic that she hasn't used before, which I really like, which is the like, the modest, like, oh, no, I can't do that. Like, when has she ever done that? You know, so I think it could be a really interesting choice. It could be a really interesting choice for Kate. Learn to say yes and. <laughs> but it's are a, you ashamed she says ah yeah ashamed, yes ashamed uh to kiss like she's actually as opposed to it's true if you look at the the structure uh, grammatically of what the words are she's not directly opposing it anymore but she's actually accepting it and giving it back kind of using that same verb mm -hmm. which is just what he does right is that's what he does with words and it's like she's kind of learned how to do that do you, do you guys see that I'm seeing this now as as it's a it's a test of him that it's like yes you you tamed me you got you know you won round 1 but now that we're married I'm going to continue to test you to see if you will maintain your authority and you know he passes the test because she goes no I'm not going to kiss you and he goes okay let's go home Right? And she's like, no, no, all right, you pass. I'll kiss you. Right? It seems like it's set up like a test. Like, are you going to put your foot down or are you going to let me call the shots? And he's like, no, I'm not going to let you call the shots. She's like, okay, I'll kiss you. Healthy relationship. Very, very, <laughs> very healthy. Um, definitely seems that there is still negotiations happening, I guess, is the, the only sort of concrete thing that I take from the ending is that negotiating is still happening. And I think we're meant to feel that because... Then we're going to get to um, the final scene. And I think we as the audience are not going to know what to expect. Like, what is Kate going to do when she's called by Petruchio? Tell her, I you know, he says, I command her or whatever he says. Demand, command, something like that. Her to come to me. And I think we as the audience are like, ooh, what's going to happen? We don't know. Because if it's totally resolved and there's no more tension, I feel like, we won't lose our breath somehow as the audience in like, is it going to 
you know. That's why I think this is a test because she tests him here and he tests her there and they both pass. Yeah. Yeah. No, I I like I like that idea actually. I think I think that that makes sense. I would love to to jump on in to our final scene and get to that really tricky Kate speech at the end and we'll have a talk about that when we get to it. <laughs> Um, so, uh, let us go to Act 5, Scene 2. At last, though long, our jarring notes agree, and time it is when raging war is done to smile at scapes and perils overblown. My fair Bianca, bid my father welcome, while I share, while I with self-same kindness welcome thine. Brother Petruchio, sister Katerina, and thou, Hortensio, with thy loving widow, feast with the best, and welcome to my house. My banquet is to close our stomachs up after our great good cheer. Pray you sit down, for now we sit to chat as well as eat. Nothing but sit and sit and eat and eat. Padua affords this kindness, son Petruchio. <laughs> Padua affords nothing but what is kind. For both our sakes, I would that word were true. Now for my life, Hortensio fears his widow. Then never trust me if I be afeard. You are very sensible, and yet you miss my sense. I mean, Hortensio is afeard of you. He that is giddy thinks the world turns round. Roundly replied. Mistress, how mean you that? Thus I conceive by him. Conceives by me? How like Hortensio that? My widow says thus she conceives her tale. Very well mended. Kiss him for that, good widow. He that is giddy thinks the world turns round. I pray you, tell me what you me meant by that. Your husband, being troubled with a shrew, measures my husband's sorrow by his woe. And now you know my meaning. A very mean meaning. Right, I mean you. And I am mean indeed, respecting you. To her, Kate. To her, widow. A hundred marks, my Kate does put her down. That's my office. Spoke like an officer. Ha! To the lad. How likes Gremio these quick-witted folks? Believe me, sir, they butt together well. Head and butt? A hasty-witted body would say your head and butt were head and horn. Ay, Mistress Bride, hath that awakened you? Ay, but not frighted me, therefore I'll sleep again. Nay, that you shall not, since you have begun. Have it you for a better gesture, too. Am I your bird? I mean to shift my bush, and then pursue me as you draw your bow. You are welcome, all. She hath prevented me. Here, Signor Tranio, this bird you aimed at, though you hit her not. Therefore, a health to all that shot and missed. Oh, sir, Lucentio slipped me like his greyhound, which runs himself and catches for his master. A good swift simile, but something currish. Tis well, sir, that you hunted for yourself. Tis thought your deer does hold you at bay. Oh, Petruchio, Tranio hits you now. I thank thee for that gird, good Tranio. Confess, confess, hath he not hit you here? Eh? Has. 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 It's as if saying he, but a has. Oh, a has a little galled me, I confess, and as the jest did glance away from me, tis ten to one it maimed you too outright. Now in good sadness, son Petruchio, I think thou hast the veriest shrew of all. Well, I say no, and therefore, sir, assurance. Let's each one send unto his wife. And he whose wife is most obedient to come at first when he doth doth send her send for her shall win the wager which we will propose. 
Content. What's the wager? 20 crowns. 20 crowns? I'll venture so much of my hawk or hound, but 20 times so much upon my wife. A hundred, then. Content. A match. Tis done. Who shall begin? That will I. Go beyond Ello. Bid your mistress come to me. Let's pause there for a second. Um, so these guys are really ribbing each other. There's, like, a lot of, like... This is, like, super cash language. Super cash. Like, just chilling, hanging, bouncing off. Am I the only one that doesn't get this at all? <laughs> uh... No, I mean, it is a little bit confusing as well. We should definitely go through the little bits and pieces. Um, we're in Lucentio's home, right? Um, I think that the opening part with Lucentio saying, like, at last, though long, our jarring notes agree. Okay, we finally, like, whatever happened backstage, everyone has appeared more or less unscathed and everyone's on stage now so whatever harsh words were said it's like we are now in harmony this is the wedding feast for lucentio uh and bianca and everyone's here and petruchio i love that petruchio just like as soon as like the toast is done everyone sits down and petruchio's like oh this sucks <laughs> Nothing but feasting. Nothing but eating well and sitting. God damn, hate this. It's so boring, you know, and, and, um, yeah. And then there's this playing with the word kind, right? Kindness here, I think when Baptista is saying it, has to do with, like, the generosity, right, of the spread. And then we have Padua Ford's nothing but what is kind. Like, this could either be about Kate you know, like Kate is kind. Yes, she is very kind. She is produced from Padua and Padua produces kind things. Or it could be, um, it could also be Padua affords nothing but what is kind and like nice and trite, you know, it could be, it could be any of that. And then Hortensio, I would, I wish the word kind were true. And then Petruchio, um, takes up on that and is like haha you're afraid your wife isn't kind haha let's have a let's bash our wives a bit here but the widow who is such a sassy character who i just love is just like uh-uh i'm not i'm not gonna be quiet and meek i'm gonna like tell you kate who you are i'm gonna tell your husband who he is i'm gonna tell my husband what's up you know like i don't know the widow just seems to be Ooh. like what is she saying? This is the part that I don't really understand, is what is the widow trying to say? So, now for my life, Hortensio fears his widow. It does... Marry in haste, repent at leisure. Yes. Um, never trust me if I be afeard. The widow seems to mean, like, I'm not afraid of him. Right? Instead of being like, instead of taking the meaning of like, oh, Hortensio's afraid of you... I feel like her response is, well, I'm not afraid of him, you know. You think she just didn't get it or didn't hear him or like... I think she's being sassy. I think she's just saying like, well, he might fear me, but I sure as hell don't fear him. You know, like, I think she's just being really... Like, this isn't her first merry-go-round. She knows what it is to be married. Like, she knows how to make her own. And then Petruchio 
you are very sensible and yet you miss my sense. You miss my meaning. I mean, Hortensio is a feared of you. This to me is a repeat of the Taylor interaction that we had in the previous act, right? Where Kate says to, to Petruchio, do you mean to make a puppet of me? And Petruchio says, yeah, you're right. He means, he, the tailor, means to make a puppet of you. And then the tailor's like, no, no, no. He meant, <laughs> she meant that you mean to make a puppet of her, you know. And so there's all of these, like, cross wires and, like, who's speaking to whom um, thing. And I think the, the key to this, what, I, what I'm feeling that this needs is super, super fast-paced. So then the widow says, he that is giddy thinks the world turns around, and Kate doesn't understand that any better than I do. So right. what yeah. does that mean? <laughs> well, it seems to me the, the translation of it is she seems to unpack it. Wait a minute, let me find it again. Your husband being troubled with a shrew measures my husband's sorrow by his woe. By your husband's own woe. Right, that he's so used to being troubled with a shrew that he sees shrews everywhere. The implication Exactly. The implication being you, Kate, are the shrewiest shrew of all. And then she says, and now you know my meaning. And Kate says something that really sort of breaks my heart, a very mean meaning. Like she's like, That was that was mean. You hurt my feelings. <laughs> okay, I get that now. What about um Thus I conceive by him, conceived by me, how likes Hortensio that. My widow says, thus she conceives her tale. Very well mended. Okay, now I get that. Okay. So, yeah, like conceive here, playing on the double meaning of like conceiving right. a child and also like forming an opinion, like right. conceiving an idea. So that they're playing around with that and Patricia's like, hey, I'm going to conceive something with her. Hortensio, you better get your lady, you know. And then, and then I feel like <laughs> this is so... This is so weird, this, like, to her, Kate? Like, are they are they wanting these two women to, like, mud wrestle or something? Like, what is going on here? And Hortensio's like, yeah, to her, widow! And doesn't even call, like, she never gets a name either, which is weird. <laughs> hundred marks, my Kate will put her down. And I'm like, is they, are they in a wrestling match? Like, what is happening? <laughs> and then, like, put her down, like, like knockout, you know, knockout punch. And Hortensio's like, no, 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 that's what I'm supposed to do. Ha ha! And I feel like that breaks the tension. And then the women are like, we're going to leave you because you're all horrible. <laughs> that is the sense that I get when Bianca, Kate, and the widow exit, is that they're all just like, you know, they were using their words, right? To have this interesting back and forth argument. And then immediately, like, Petruchio and Hortensio are like, yeah, come on, rip her dress off, you know? And it's like, wait, <laughs> what? You know? And um, and there definitely just seems to be, I don't know, there just seems to be, like, a lot of really strange things happening, oh, I weird. guess is what I, this is a weird wedding feast. Like, I feel then... like everyone is super buzzed. Baptista just turns to Gremio and goes, how do you like these folks, Gremio? <laughs> I love, like, Gremio, these folks are much more quick-witted than you, you know? And Gremio's like, yes, yes. Yeah, it's really good. 
you know, this is Gremio's, of course, the same character that said, oh, learning, what a thing it is. <laughs> like at the beginning of the play, I feel like his chickens are coming home to roost here <laughs> a little bit. Uh, a little confused as to why Bianca just suddenly, like... Why Bianca what? Sorry, we didn't catch that last bit. Changes her tune. Oh, yeah. In what way did she change her tune? Uh, I'm confused as to why, in in terms of like her personality, she's she's so like um, this entire show she's been like going with the flow, always just trying to like be like the 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 meek, quiet one who um, follows the rules and everything, and then suddenly she jumps in with this with this insult and and it's, it's to me it's almost like she's playing off she the energy now? that. Um, Sorry, is she married now? Are they yeah, the yeah. wedding time? Okay. Yeah. Lucentio and Bianca are married. Yeah, and I think this is a really... Because that's what I was going to say. Morgan, that... It does seem to be like a a showing of her true personality, which is really sassy and has like a dirty sense of humor. Right? With the whole like... (laughs) Yeah, it's like... This is a complete shift from Bianca that we've been pursuing this whole time. Yeah, and like there is an implication. It makes a difference who she says this a hasty witted body would say your head and butt were head and horn implying that whomever she's speaking to she's saying you will be a cuckold like your wife is going to cheat on you so if if she's saying that to hortensio is she like trying to defend her sister um by making a side swipe i'm now using side swipe because that's exactly how my one of my cats like every time one of the other cats goes by she's like like oh you wait so isn't she isn't she saying this to gremio yeah well and that's the thing right if she's saying a hasty witted right irritably witted body would say your head and butt were head and horn like a cuckold's horn so like no matter who you she could be as sassily saying to gremio like whoever you end up with you're definitely going to be a cuckold they will definitely cheat on you so like either way that's like a very different bianca than we saw like this is married bianca this This is is, the ring is on and uh she's out like she's joining with the other wives she kind of like looks either way and it's like yeah i'm i'm a wife now and i'm putting i'm sassy yeah is there is there any mileage to gremio bursting into tears and running off stage as soon as she says that to him. <laughs> oh my gosh. We hear a gunshot from off stage. Oh, no! <laughs> Will, this isn't Chekhov. <laughs> um, okay, thanks. I, that, I that's, like... that, that's helpful. I do like... So then, following this, like I like that Vincentio... Oh, did that wake you up? I love this idea that Bianca is like so over this feast that she's just like been sort of gently sleeping. <laughs> Maybe a little, little too much wine for Bianca. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what? And then, and then, like Vincendio's like, "Oh, seems that you've woken up." And Bianca's like, "Yes, but you didn't frighten me, and now I'm back to bed." <laughs> <laughs> is she uh, that like that? The girl at the party who can't keep her liquor? Is that is that I the game? I really like that interpretation, actually. <laughs> <laughs> that she's like Cecily Strong's girl at a party you wish you hadn't started a conversation with. Like, very much that vibe. Like, no, wait, 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 wait. I've got something so, to say. 
Especially if 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 the scene had had started and there was all of that interaction going on and you didn't realize she was fully there until she kind of just appeared having woken up and <laughs> oh there she is I'm going back to sleep. There's the bride. Ari, what do you drunk? What do you think she means by am I your bird? I mean to shift my bush and then pursue me as you draw your blow. You are welcome all. What does that this mean? This is um this is so She's saying, I'm not a bird in a bush that you've caught. Um, she will simply change r- rooms or habitats or like the bush where the bird lives. So, so she's like, you didn't catch me. I'm going to go off to a different location. Um, and then presumably, and, and, she, and then she's the gracious hostess. And she says, you are welcome, everyone. You know. Um, Who is she talking to? Petruchio? Yes. Petruchio here. Um, nay, that's you. You shall not, since you have begun, have at you for a better, like, I think what he's saying essentially is like, come on, join the party. And like, come on, you've just proven that you're like really smart and you have a facility with words. Like, come on, let's go. And she says, you can't tell me what to do. You haven't captured me. I'm going to another room and I'm going to take the vodka with me. You know, like it, I, I very much get that that kind of vibe. Um, and then she's, is that flirtatious? And then pursue me as you draw your bow. Is she flirting with Petruchio on her own wedding day? I think she's saying if you dare, if you dare try and capture me. But everyone's being a bit flirty. Everyone's being a bit flexy sexy here, except Kate, I would say. Because there's all this thing about, ooh, Petruchio's going to take the widow. Like, it's going to conceive by the widow. And Hortensio's going to take the widow. Like, these people are thinking about sex, clearly. But there was not the... um, A bird in a bush did not have any sort of sexual connotation. Okay. It's, It's more about, like... The taming of the shrew, right? I, you haven't caught me. You caught my sister. So don't try and make me do anything. I'm sure you have your hand full. I'm going to take this vodka. I'm going to go to another room. You know, is is kind of the sense that I get from that, the end of that bit. Yeah, um, I took it very much as like, if you're going to try to, you know, engage in a, a battle of wits with me, like you're going to have to chase me down to do it. Like, I'm not here for that kind of a thing. It's my wedding feast, <laughs> you know, like a little bit, a little bit of that. <laughs> um, and then I'm really, I do really l- like, um, it is really striking that Petruchio calls Tranio Senior Tranio, right? Which is like a very uh, formal address. I wonder if it is supposed to... If we're supposed, if that's like a mocking thing, like, ah, Signor Tranio, but clearly, like, Tranio is at this feast as a guest at this table. Um, he's not like waiting tables or anything. Um, and this to me is really interesting, right? So, Petruchio takes on the bird that's hiding in the bush that's captured by the hunter. This is the bird you you aimed at, right? Like, I think he could say this as. Bianca is going out of the room because remember, Baptista was also completely convinced that Bianca and Tranio had genuine feelings for each other. Because so they were feigning being a couple 
for this whole time, which may have been kind of confusing to Tranio. I don't know. Just thinking about Tranio's like inner whatever. Um, it does seem to me that like there is a, you aimed at Bianca and your master got her, you know, there is a bit of a like pointing out that there was some play acting there. Um, Does Petrocchio know about any of that, though? Well, it's all been explained. Because they were there in the last scene when it was explained that Tranio was disguised as Lucentio. Right. It, it does seem like they're treating him with a little more cred than he had before. I mean, he's just a servant. He should be, like, pouring wine or something, and they're talking to him like he's part of the wedding party. Yeah, absolutely. I'd, I'd like to think that he's the best man. But um, just because he facilitated everything for Lucentio. Um, <laughs> I feel like it's just because he's like still wearing the fancy clothes. And so they're just like, yeah, whatever. Just put him in. <laughs> he's wearing the right hat. And I, I like the idea of like developing, continuing this relationship with Vincentio and Tranio. That like every time Tranio speaks, like Vincentio glares at him. And Tranio's like, okay, I'm shutting up. You know, like that, that there is... Um, that he starts to get into it with Petruchio because as we've established, like Tranio is very quick witted and very smart. And then like he, he catches a glance of Vincentio and is like, I will be silent now, you know, um, just in order to sort of like save everything. Uh, and then there's a bit about, Okay, we're hunting women now. Apparently, this is the thing that <laughs> this is where our metaphor has led us. Um, yeah, what's this greyhound thing? I don't get that either. Yeah, slipped me like his. So he unleashed me like a greyhound, uh, which runs. I did the running uh, for my master, but he got, oh, got the reward of the hunt, right? Um, and then Tranio says, Yeah, well. It's it's good that you hunted for yourself, but it is thought that uh, <laughs> the deer is the one, is the pants in this relationship, essentially, right? That Catherine's the pants, and um, Baptista's like, oh, goody, we get to, you know, like, say mean things about Kate. Hooray! Um, and then we get into this strange wager. Um, to give you a sense of how much money they're talking about, 20 crowns is almost $2,000 today. And 100 crowns would be uh, just over $7,500 American. Sorry, Koi. Uh, <laughs> so that's a lot. Of, well, that's a lot of money for that's like my entire bank account um but <laughs> that's a that's a lot that's more than my bank account that is more that's a lot of money um for most people i'm gonna say maybe not they're rich tricky is just really bored he's like let's throw some coin around man yeah let's, let's make let's it big like, let's play poker but do it more dangerously um I find money to be is such a cool thing in like in any story or or um, yeah, mil like whether it be as a, a play or a film or anything like whenever they give amounts, I find it always very interesting because it says a lot about also the the characters, right? Like 
you'll have a lot of crime, like crime stories where it's like, okay, we're going to do this for 20 grand. Like, oh yeah, 20 grand. And then like, they're like the crazy killing people and risking their lives. And then another movie about rich people is like, oh, I'm not doing that for $5 million. That's not enough. It, it really does like, it places where these people are in the society. Yeah. So it is interesting to kind of, for considering there's a lot of people watching this show who paid, what was it like a, a penny or something? What was it? five pence or one pen to watch at the at the globe a penny and like an additional half penny if you wanted a cushion right so you have a penny and you're and you're just like throwing this all in their face and it's a good it's like a bit of a distancing effect right like yeah these are those rich people that aren't you yeah and this is what they do with their money it's um like that uh what was that um eddie murphy and dan Aykroyd film uh, trading places where the the two rich guys right and like for them they go the opposite way where like they bet so little because they were so rich for them it wasn't about the money it was about the bet anyways i'm getting off topic no no but that it does make a lot of sense and and as we've seen that money is the driving force for many of these characters that come to why that well fully in padua we then have the scene with tranio as lucentio and gremio talking about basically gremio giving us like his <laughs> inventory like these are the things i have insured like this is my insurance bill i have really nice turkish cushions you know um that these people are kind of obsessed with money and it is interesting to me that lucentio's like yeah 20 crowns that'll be fun and then um patricio's like i'll venture 20 times so much and instead of saying you know he's he does five times as much, not 20 times as much. Yeah. I think that's important, right? That Lucentio's like, um, I don't quite know what my dowry situation is. So uh, let's say a I'm nice round hundred. Yeah. <laughs> a nice round hundred. And that everyone is, is, is okay. So where we left it is Lucentio is calling for Bianca first. And he says, go Biondello, bid your mistress come to me. And Biondello says, I go. Um, so let's take it from, Wait, which line? I'm sorry, uh, 104? So, yeah, this is um, 20. Yes, this is 104 uh, exit, uh, the first exit on 104. Oh, so the first is Oho. Okay. Uh, son, I'll be your half. Bianca comes. All this money talk reminds me of that line from Arrested Development. It's like, how much can a banana cost? $10? <laughs> 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 and also 30 rock alec baldwin's character i mean how much does a gallon of milk cost 70 dollars <laughs> <laughs> so good carol you're back sorry about that oh no worries um we're gonna start with your line son i'll be your half bianca comes son i'll be your half bianca comes i'll have no house i'll bear it all myself how now what news Sir, my mistress sends you word that she is busy and she cannot come. How? She's busy and she cannot come? Is that an answer? Aye, and a kind one, too. Pray God, sir, your wife send you not a worse. I hope better. Sierra Biondello, go and entreat my wife to come to me forthwith. Oh, ho, entreat he. Nay, then, she must needs come. Oh, oh, ho, entreat he. Nay, nay then, she must needs I'm come. sorry, that's a, that's a typo. That should be entreat her. My bad. Oh, ho, entreat her. Nay, then, she must needs come. 
I'm afraid, sir, do what you can. Yours will not be entreated. Now, where's my wife? She says you have some goodly jest in hand. She will not come. She bids you come to her. Worse and worse, she will not come. Oh, vile, intolerable, not to be endured. Sirah, Grumio, go to your mistress. Say I command her to come to me. I know her answer. What? She will not. Foul or fortune mine, and there an end. Now, by my holly dame, here comes Katerina. What is your will, sir, that you send for me? Where's your sister and Hortensio's wife? They sit conferring by the parlor fire. Go fetch them hither. If they deny to come, swing me them soundly forth unto their husbands. Swinge me them soundly What is swinge me then? What does that mean? Swinge? Swinge me them? It means to, to swinge someone, don't you know? To, you know like to swinge chastise them? them? Like bring them on in? Like bring them is that but it's like a reflexive right because it's is it like do bring them in for me is that what it is well swinge here is 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 like he's implying like make them come in whatever way possible um with a slight implication of severity yeah okay and the use of the me them i'm just like it's also the it's the two word it's the it's the verb which you just explained bring them okay severely Okay, so it's this like old reflexive that we don't do anymore, right? In English, like exactly. knock me at the gate, knock right? Me like soundly. Okay, swinge me them. Swinge me them soundly forth unto their husbands. Away I say, and bring them hither straight. Here is a wonder. If you talk of a wonder, and so it is. I wonder what it bodes. Merry peace it bodes, and love, and quiet life, and awful rule and right supremacy and to be short what not that's sweet and happy now fair befall thee good petruchio the wager thou hast won and i will add unto their losses twenty thousand crowns another dowry to another daughter for she is changed as she had never been nay i will win my wager better yet and show more sign of her obedience her new-built virtue and obedience See where she comes and brings your forward, forward wives as prisoners to her womanly persuasion. Catherine, that cap of yours becomes you not. Off with that bauble. Throw it underfoot. Lord, let me never have a cause to sigh till I be brought to such a silly pass. Ay, what a foolish duty call you this. I would your duty were as foolish too. The wisdom of your duty, fair Bianca, hath cost me five hundred crowns since supper time. More fool you for laying on my duty. Catherine, I charge thee, tell these hard, headstrong women what duty they do owe their lords and husbands. Come, come, you're mocking. We will have no telling. Come on, I say, and first begin with her. She shall not. I say she shall, and first begin with her. Aye, fie, unknit that threatening unkind brow. And dart not scornful glances from those eyes to wound thy lord, thy king, thy governor. It blots thy beauty as frost do bite the meads, confounds thy fame as whirlwinds shake fair buds, and in no sense is meet or amiable. A woman moved is like a fountain troubled, muddy, ill-seeming, thick, bereft of beauty. And while it is so... None so dry or thirsty will deign to sip or touch one drop of it. Thy husband is thy lord, thy life, thy keeper, 
thy head, thy sovereign, one that cares for thee and for thy maintenance commits his body to painful labor, both by sea and land, to watch the night in storms, the day in cold, whilst thou liest warm at home, secure and safe, and craves no other tribute at thy hands but love, fair looks, and true obedience. Too little payment for so great a debt. Such duty as the subject owes the prince, even such a woman oweth to her husband. And when she is forward, f is that for? Froward. 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 And when she is froward, peevish, sullen, sour, and not obedient to his honest will, what is she but a foul, contending rebel and graceless traitor to her loving lord? I am ashamed that women are so simple to offer war where they should kneel for peace or seek to rule supremacy and sway when they are bound to serve, love, and obey. Why are our bodies soft and weak and smooth, unapt to toil and trouble in the world, but that our soft conditions and our hearts should well agree with our external parts? Come, come, you froward and unable worms. My mind hath been as big as one of yours, my heart as great, my reason haply more, to bandy word for word and frown for frown. But now I see our lances are but straws, our strength as weak, our weakness past compare, that seeming to be most, which we indeed least are. Then vein your stomachs, for it is no boot, and place your hands below your husband's foot, in token of which duty, if he please, my hand is ready. May it do him ease. Why, there's a wench. Come on and kiss me, Kate. Well, go thy ways, old lad, for thou shalt have it. Tis a good hearing when children are toward. But a harsh hearing when women are froward. Come, Kate, we'll to bed. We three are married, but you two are sped. Twas I won the wager, though you hit the, hit the white. And being a winner, God give you good night. Now, go thy ways. Thou hast tamed a cursed shrew. Tis a wonder by your leave she will be tamed so. Okay, weird, weirdness. Weirdness. The, what a weird, weird ending. ending. Oh it my hurts. I hate it. I know. I, I think <laughs> when you say, well, there's a wench, it, there's like everything hangs on how you say that line. Yeah, I, I kind of agree. Oh, so, I don't know. That's a lot in that speech. I'm sorry. That's a lot. I just I meant the lot. last two lines are very anticlimactic. Yeah, that too. It's a terrible ending. Yeah. <laughs> like, why don't they just. Like, why not end just end with God give you good night? night. Yeah. 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 Um, I did want to point out, so Baptista, when he says, I will, unto their losses, I will add 20,000 crowns. That's like 1.5 mil today's money. This is how much, like, he's giving They're an entire... Rich people! <laughs> I wanted to do an experiment. This is a bit odd, coy, but I wanted to do an experiment where you switch all the gender pronouns in this speech and read it. And I just want to see what that sounds like. So instead of 
a man lord, for a woman. Yeah. Saying, thy lady. thy lady, thy queen, thy governess, um, and wife for husband, and he mm-hmm. for she, and she for he. Could we oh, okay. just hear that speech like that? I just, as a sort of thought experiment, I'm just curious to, to hear what that sounds like. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, hopefully my cat will not meow through the back of it, but <laughs> that's fine. That would be perfect. <laughs> Um, okay. Fie, fie, unknit that threatening, unkind brow, and dart not scornful glances from thy, those eyes. To wound thy lady, thy queen, thy governess, it blots thy beauty, as frost do bite the meads. Confounds thy fame, as whirlwinds shake fair buds, and in no sense is meet or amiable. A man moved is like a fountain troubled, muddy ill-seeming thick, bereft of beauty. And while it is so, none so dry or thirsty will deign to sip or touch one drop of it. Thy wife is thy lady, thy life, thy keeper, thy head, thy sovereign, one that cares for thee and for thy maintenance commits her body to painful labor, both by sea and land, to watch the night in storms, the day in cold, whilst thou liest warm at home, secure and safe, and craves no other tribute at thy hands but love, fair looks, and true obedience. Too little payment for so great a debt. Such duty as the subject owes the princess, even such a man oweth to his wife. And when he is froward, peevish, sullen, sour, and not obedient to her honest will, what is he but a foul contending rebel and graceless traitor to his loving lady? I am ashamed that men are so simple to offer war where they should kneel for peace or, or seek to rule supremacy and sway when they are bound to serve, love, and obey. Why are our bodies soft and weak and smooth, unable to toil and trouble in the world, but that our soft conditions and our hearts should well agree with our external parts? Come, come, you you froward and unable worms. My mind hath been as big as one of yours. My heart is great, my reason haply more, to bandy word for word and frown for frown. But now I see our lances are but straws. Our strength is weak, our weakness past compare, that seeming to be most, which we indeed least are. Then veil your stomachs. There is no boot, and place your hands below your wife's foot in token of which duty, if she please, my hand is ready. May it do her ease. That was utterly fascinating to me. Like, I got chills hearing that speech when you read it with the gender swapped. Like, it was very moving to me. And oh, cool. It's about... <laughs> the bits about how women have to toil and labor, you know, and like all of this had a totally different context and meaning for me because it was about the pain of childbirth and the labor of raising a family and all of the things that women at this time were responsible for. And 
didn't get a lot of credit for, you know. So anyway, that was thank you so much for doing that, Koi, because that was. Thanks for the opportunity. That was really interesting to me. I was wondering if anyone else had any any reaction. That was very surprising to me. <laughs> yeah, Carol. <laughs> well, this reminds me about what we were talking about the other day about the TED Talk, How to Tame Your Boyfriend or whatever that was. Yeah. And and there's a lot of that material out there. There's that woman who used to work at SeaWorld who wrote a book about, you know, how to, like, you can get your husband to do what you want by treating him like a dolphin uh, <laughs> or, or something. <laughs> but, and none of this is offensive, you know? I mean, it, or at least culturally, you know, no one's jumping up and down saying, oh my gosh, this is terrible. Um, and yet this speech just, just triggers us when it comes out of a woman's mouth. But when it, you know, when Koi just did it, um, I was sitting here going, yeah, absolutely. That's funny because I was sitting here going, nope. <laughs> yeah, I still wasn't real. I didn't really. And some of it just seemed so clearly as if you had switched the gender. Like, especially anytime the word obedient comes up, it's just, it's hard not to separate that from like women being obedient to men. I don't know. Some of the language is still so gendered to me, even if you switch the pronouns. Well, it's like we're not supposed to be a, a, obedient men and women aren't obedient to each other maybe a child is obedient to their parent but we don't use that word really it's i mean there's no way around it like our our ideas about how things are supposed to be have changed enormously and you know from what they were throughout all of human history but we have to like try to understand that when this play like came out i don't think the audience would have been particularly uh, like notice that there's anything off about this. No, I don't think so either. But that, you know, that is, we're not performing in that <laughs> world, you know, so in a certain sense, doesn't it kind of doesn't matter, right? Because this is something that if you're a theater company and you're putting on this show in 2021, you need to deal with these issues. You can't just sort of offer the excuse of like, oh, but when this was written, this was the, you know, no, no, like not. doing, you know, the well, adventure of Huck Finn and not dealing with racism, you know, like there, there's just like kind of, you have to address it in a certain way. The line, that, the other line that really stuck out for me was, um, I'm ashamed that men are so simple to offer war when they. Yeah, that was to me reading it was the most powerful. Was, yeah, that line to me was like, oh boy, so simple to offer war. I I think uh, Carol, you mentioned the the word obedience because I think it's like the first. My first reaction is kind of like, oh, what was what was this speech? How did people react to this speech in like the very early 1900s or 1800s or, or before, like before we had, um, actually it'd be late 1800s, like before first wave feminism in the West would be kind of a first question. Um, but I think what's also really interesting actually is that what you pointed out, Carol, it's it's not it, like the gender stuff is big, but it also is relying on the idea of obedience, which is something that I think American culture, the idea of liberty and freedom, like up and down, it's like you don't owe anyone obedience. And that's one of the definitions of freedom in American freedom is that I don't owe my own boss obedience. I don't owe my parents obedience. I don't owe my country obedience. Like they have to earn it. And even if they do, I'm just like gonna, I, I can drop it at any time. There's the, so I think it actually, the sense of obedience is an interesting one to me. If you're in a relationship, 
you know that sometimes it's just better to do what your partner wants. Mm. I mean, is there anybody here who hasn't had that experience? Honestly, am I old or something? Well, sure, Carol. But I think there are ideas about, you know, uh, should, should relationships have one person in charge or should they be an equal partnership? Right. We, oh, uh, no. That has changed. And, you know, at this time, they believe that relationships only worked if there if one person was in charge and now we're just talking about the word obedience we're not talking about then and now we're just talking about that word and you know it's like my big fat greek wedding the man is the head of the house but the woman's the neck (laughs) so um that that power um struggle goes on in every relation every human relationship regardless of what your gender is and regardless of if it's romantic or not, I mean, status oh. negotiations are basically what drama is made up of. I, re- right? I remember an exercise that we did actually at school when we were uh, in London, and it was the um, movement exercise of like it was giving and receiving a massage or something like this. But the objective was to give orders to the person uh, massaging you and to receive orders from the person who you're massaging and it was about playing very safely with the idea of like control and obedience um and it was something that a lot of people were very kind of uncomfortable with at first but then there was a lot once once we kind of got past uh kind of the um, the layers of like our personal issues and then like societal stuff around uh following orders and stuff i think it became really interesting that giving orders can be a very compassionate thing and being obedient can there can be power in obedience there can be there can be compassion in dominance um so it's i think i just think it's very interesting to look at this from the perspective not as much obviously the gender is baked in but to look at it from the perspective of obedience and i think that's absolutely key coy that um to elizabethan society disobedience was equated with chaos and chaos was pretty much the greatest evil that could possibly exist right um a disobedient disordered kingdom meant chaos for everyone um and there are a couple lines in here that are straight out of the bible the idea the such duty as a subject owes the prince even such a woman oweth to her husband. And this concept also is key to Elizabethan society. That obedience is due to the ruler. It, it A monarchy is inherently built on the idea that there is one person who is... Who is you know, with all of the, the, the royals and their drama right now, there was a really wonderful uh, woman who came on Democracy Now! and was talking about... about this idea of like, well, were they treated fairly, you know, where, and she said, well, I mean, let's be real here. You can never have equality when you're in a system that's based on the superiority of one person's bloodline. Like there's no such thing as equality or, or true reciprocity when your entire reason for power is something that has nothing to do with your personality, but everything to do with, like, the color of your skin and who your grandparents were, right? So that, like, 
but this is the basis of Elizabethan and Jacobean society. And up until very, very recently, this was the basis of most Western cultures, right? Is this idea that the ruler is supreme and is, um, as, as we see in a lot of the Shakespeare history plays, sometimes the ruler gets really confused and there's a lot of angst involved with almost subsuming your own personality with the the role of being the king or the queen and and how you can get lost there so i do think it's important that this isn't just gendered it's also the basis of the social hierarchy as well um, sure. yeah koi just want to flex a little bit around like project management and, and obedience um, because like I'm how fast can I go um, but like modern armies are all based around obedience and a lot of modern society is based around strict obedience and you can't really have we've been unable to create a highly specialized society and civilization without strict hierarchy within these different fields um like that's why we have guilds and that's why we have unions and that's why we have governments like within uh these different institutions that have hierarchy there needs to be clear uh obedience and um follow through down the chain because when you muddy the command then you can't evaluate the quality of the command um if you if you give a command and then the command is changes midway, then there's no way to tell whether or not it was the proper thing to do. But if there is strict, then that's how you get things done. And you see it. I mean, even today with like you know space exploration and getting into orbit, like the only way that happens is because all the engineers are fully obedient to the to the protocols that they're given and the restrictions that they have to build under. Um, so just to say like there's a very real reason why a society especially one that's starting to travel regularly across the ocean um and do this like worldwide trade requires and values this obedience so koi i think uh it's very true that you know um like well, like ari was saying they they had this idea that uh if they didn't have this strict hierarchy that there would just be chaos and obviously like all human society is a negotiation between hierarchy and individual freedom and you know we've sort of moved into a different place with that now but it's still there and hi some hierarchy is still necessary for anything to function um I also just think that in terms of looking at this as a societal thing and the, the way the society is put together, it's really interesting that the whole actually, like in Shakespeare's time, the point of the scene is not the sexist speech. The point of the scene is that the women who have been up until now, most notably Bianca, who have been considered to be the ones who are obedient and properly behaved and so forth, that it's been all an act. And actually they they are not truly attuned to their partner they actually don't give a fuck they're they're just sitting by the fire and going no i can't come it's i'm, I'm doing something important when they're not right they're being kind of uh bad people bad partners and uh whereas the person you know so it's that theme of like 
um, you know, it's the same thing with Petruchio ignoring the societal conventions because he's actually being authentic. The same things happen here where it's like, actually, people are sort of pretending all these things because of a societal well, it's demand. A good point. It's a good point but talking actually, about Bianca because also like she did she ever um, did did her husband ever earn her obedience? Right. Like we talked oh. a lot about with this, the the, the comparative wooing. And these men who are wooing her just for these other reasons or for money or for their own status. Um, like we just talked about how uh, Bianca had a weird kind of shift suddenly in this act. It's interesting that you kind of point that out. Yeah. And, well, and Kate, for all her, you know, like problematic language, if we sort of set that aside, I think the point here is that she actually has learned to be genuinely attuned to her partner and her partner's needs and prioritizing her relationship, which is actually a much better thing than just pretending to and actually going off and suiting yourself, right? I think there's, yes. I, I mean, I think there's also, it's, it's obviously, it's very, no matter what way you cut it, you know, our cake is dough on one side, <laughs> to quote Cromio, <laughs> right? Like, it's, it's always going to be problematic. I think yeah. the sort of conventional loophole to this speech that a lot of interpretations rely upon is that again this is a new tactic that Kate has learned she's learned to know exactly what her husband wants her to say and she does it and then some that he doesn't ask her to put her hand beneath his foot and that's like her that's almost her winning the competition. Like, look at how good I am at being like, to me, it's like their life will always be a competition. And it's like, oh, you wanted to see how obedient I can be? Check this out. You know, like, hold my beer. You know, like, it really kind of feels <laughs> sure, a little yeah. bit like, like that that's going on. Um, and that, you know, there's this sort of traditional, like, wink to the audience after the kiss to Petruchio, you know, is, is a very common interpretation of like, now who's really got the power, you know, um, which is, ref you know, that's a nice, that's a nice way to kind of negotiate that. I don't know that it's totally goes with the text and runs <laughs> the problems of the text, but it is definitely yeah. a way to go. Yeah. Carol, please. Yeah. In the, um, the kiss me Petruchio, that's very much there's a sense of complicity between them at the end which is how they dealt with it mm. um, so you you didn't you felt like they were both in on on a con almost yeah oh i love that you even have kate over here to bet and so she knows that there's a lot of money at stake and so she plays along because she's actually in on it you could do that we just you told could, her. That'd be I interesting. Mean, you could also have. I just thought of this. You could also have Petruchio wink at her, like, "Well done. You did. You did good, kid." You know, like <laughs> we're going to Cabo, baby. We yeah, we're going. To, we're going to get a vacation. What, home. I, <laughs> what I don't like is when productions, like I directed this production, or I assistant directed this production, and the director had her. There was a lot of slapstick and stuff and and tripping each other and pushing each other and all that kind of thing built into the play. And he had basically her do the whole speech and then trip Petruchio at the end as if to sort of say, ha ha, I didn't mean any of it. And I'm just as sassy as before. And that's how we're going to fix it. And it's like, 
That seems a bit easy somehow. Yeah. I and like the idea sense. that because we've seen her gradually learning new tactics, I like the idea that this is a this is a tactic and we know she's competitive. Like we mm. know that from the beginning of the play. She is super competitive. So in my mind, the only way that this works is if Kate is like, I'm beating it, it's not so much about like I'm beating Petruchio. It's like I'm beating, I'm beating my the widow. Sister. I'm beating the widow. Like she hurt my feelings. All of these, yeah, who hurt my feelings, and like watch all these men now like be mooning all over me. Too bad I'm married. You know, like they're sure, sure, <laughs> sure, sure, sure. Like a very funny. Um, there's a funny, interesting, almost like I mean, it's really weird. But to me, there's almost like a sort of sexual awakening in this in this speech of like understanding traditionally what has been women's power, right? Is their ability. Um, I my interpretation is that Kate and Petruchio have not consummated their marriage yet. And that maybe she like kisses him and then she sort of looks at him and then she like leaves and he's like, bye, everyone. Good night gotta go you know yeah. like and but but now he's pursuing her you know in this really mm. interesting way like that now she's learned this like she's learned how to use that traditional quote unquote you know feminine power or whatever it is but it's still problematic i'm not saying that it's not and i think you know i, I really want to bear in mind something that mitch who was our proteus in into gents said where we were just like tearing our hair out at the end of that play which is he's like, guys, don't feel any pressure to like save the play. Like, <laughs> we're under no obligation to save the play. We can still leave it as being super problematic. So I did just want to be able to say that. <laughs> can I can I also just yeah. I think it's also worth mentioning that like it's very it's very ironic that it's uh classical theater people who are trying to make this troubled 400 year old script like not offensive while joker came out a couple of years ago and cruella is coming out and he's like let's make the the villain the hero and like let's and like um <laughs> well and and what's actually really interesting i was i was talking with my sister izzy about that because i was like wait they're making a cruella movie like what and she said and she as a as a queer person was talking about how it's kind of a betrayal to the queer community because the the villains, you know, if you think about like all I forget who said this, but it's like Disney taught me that women older women who have no children are like inherently evil, like Cruella de Vil and Ursula, mm -hmm. right? Like <laughs> Especially if they're not thin. Yeah. Well that's not that's not Disney. That's like archetypal fairy tales. There's always yes, like a... but also how do kids have exposure to fairy sure. tales normally? It's through Disney. <laughs> um, but so that it's like, she's like, it's just so frustrating because those characters have always been heroes to the queer community because they've been very queer. Like Cruella mm. de Vil and Ursula and like all of these sort of outsiders, Maleficent. They've all been sort of queered. But now they're giving them these like straight storylines, and it's like, what a betrayal, you know? And it was just like an interesting way of, of looking at these, looking at these movies in a way that I didn't, uh, that I hadn't thought about before. Um, and I, I yeah. do also want to bring up something that we have talked about before, which is that Petruchio seems to be very competitive with other men, right? So that um, 
so much of this, as much as it is about the two of them, I feel like so much of this last scene is also about Petruchio establishing his status among this group of men. And I do think that that's important that we at least mention that. Yeah, I agree. So, so then also, you know, one of the questions I, I have is like, if you're doing a production of this, she does this whole speech and then what is the reaction of all the guys? Like, I think there there's something to the idea that she just takes it so far with the like crush my hand thing that, you know, that there she, she goes that far with the whole my beer like demonstration of her obedience that the guys there's like a stunned silence and the guy is like holy shit (laughs) and then you know does petruchio what does he do with her hand that's outstretched does he put his foot on it does he go no 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 i'm reaching down and taking your hand and bringing you up does he like what happens there i mean my interpretation because i couldn't like if i was staging this i would be like no absolutely not um, I, I would actually take a I would take a note from the Shakespeare Retold series where Kate and Petruchio have this very casual moment. Like Bianca wants a prenup. The Bianca character in that version wants a prenup. And they're like, we didn't have a prenup. We don't need a prenup. Because I know that um, I would put my hand below his foot because he would do the same for me. And so I kind of like the idea that we, est- <laughs> I'm just trying, right? That we establish some form of reciprocity that perhaps she puts her, I feel that there is a test going on. Are you going to make me? Are you going mm-hmm. to put your foot on my hand? But instead he puts his hand like under her hand and like pulls her up and that becomes their like sort of private moment in in public which as a director is like my my favorite thing to stage right it's like this is a very public scene but giving them a private moment of like i think we understand each other and we're gonna we're still we've got a lot of bumps we've got a lot of it's gonna be rocky terrain ahead but like we're gonna we'll figure it out yeah carol yeah what we wound up doing is um she has thrown her her hat on the ground and jumped on it, which is kind of funny. But Here. when Petruchio says, why, there's a wench, he comes over and he picks up her hat and gives it back to her and kisses her hand. Mm-hmm. And then says, kiss me, Kate, and she kisses his. So oh, that's, cute. That's, that's what we did at that moment. Yeah. That also is great because it's always... <laughs> Speaking as someone who's directed a lot of kids, it's always just really uncomfortable to try and make children kiss each other. It's, it's <laughs> COVID has just solved all that. We oh. love that. I'm so happy to hear that because it's just like the like my first kiss was on stage in a show. That's not the way it should be. Me too. My first oh. kiss was on stage in a show. That's why we're all on this call. <laughs> <laughs> First kiss therapy session. That's why we all all went into theater because we thought more people would kiss us. Wait a second. That's that's embarrassing, but yes. It didn't work. In in um I I've had this I want to I want to hear what people think. So this this might be a terrible idea. Um but kind of playing 
this scene with the dichotomy or the two sides of of being like um kind of like a like a, I'm going to lecture you right as she's brought in to start a lecture, but then it feels like take away the whole like she's speaking for all women in society and all this stuff like if, if this in a, as an 18a like x-rated show like i feel like some of this stuff could be like only to petruchio and way sexier than a kiss and like this is all just like foreplay you know, foreplay yeah like all this is like oh i'm so dainty and i'm gonna do this stuff and then like oh right i have to i have to give you a little i'm gonna scold you you're bad but me and him are gonna mm. like i don't know i mean is that absurd there's definitely a bdsm production that is waiting to be done here right <laughs> I, I do, that actually brings up a, a really good point koi which is that which lines are to petruchio yeah I think that's really whoever the actor playing Kate. I would, I would want to rehearse the shit out of that. Are any of these lines to Petruchio? Yeah, because I felt like a lot were personally reading it. Interesting. Yeah, that whole thing about you know men having to suffer out there, and and um, we kind of played it with her saying that to him, and him going, "Wait, what?" <laughs> Yeah, I would go so far as to say, like, um, the, the opening four lines are to her, and it goes to Petruchio all the way until my mind hath been as big as your, or come, come, you forward, unable worms, and then it goes back to him. Like, so basically the whole, like, one option would be almost the entire heart of it is to him. That's really interesting, Koi, because I had a thought that she was actually saying the bits about how great men are to the other men. Oh, yeah. As a way of like browsing uh, uh, jealousy, like going to like Gremio and like Hortensio <laughs> and Lucentio and being like, why are oh you're so strong, strong. <laughs> you know? And that there could be something, and Petruchio's like, hang on, wait a second, hang on. And she's like, yeah, you liked it when I was beating them more, didn't you? <laughs> yeah, like I. There's think a way for her to call Gremio daddy. I just want to have it. <laughs> Yes. And Grimmy was like, <laughs> Grimmy keels over from a heart attack. <laughs> the true end of Grimmy. Oh I think God. to but me, I, yeah. yeah Sorry, to me, ahead. the the more personal this speech is to me, um, the more that you just step away from it being a thesis on gender roles. I agree. Yeah. yeah. And it's, it's not about that. It's about what she's saying to the people in the room, specifically Petruchio and the widow and all these characters who we've like built a relationship with. And we know, yeah. So like it's giving it to all the people in the room. It's not, it's not a declaration. Also, Koi, thinking about that, it just occurred to me that like one of the people that she's talking to is her sister who she has had a very difficult relationship <laughs> with about this issue that Bianca has always been like, oh, I'm so proper and submissive. And she, right. And the Kate has like hated her for it for years. And so now like, what is the pleasure in being able to turn around and yeah. say your sister who just fucked up big time? Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah. I, I do just want to point out that yes, as personal, and I think it's interesting because this really, of course, is about Kate and Petruchio and 
this is about their relationship and this is about like how I think it's still a negotiation. I would like to think that we end with the negotiation is like, okay, I guess we're going to find our way. Um, but I do also think that it's really important that this is public. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, um, thank you so much, Allie. Um, but yeah, if there is, um, any final thoughts on this kind of the weirdness of this play, (laughs) this very strange, seems like we're missing. I really feel like we're missing the end of the induction. Like that just got lost. Because it just seems like Shakespeare wouldn't do that. He wouldn't set up something at the beginning and give us basically a sixth act at the beginning of the play and not tie it up in some way. Maybe it was like the Marvel post credit scene. I remember us talking about that at the very beginning and now, because I forgot about that. And then we were saying, oh, like it just ends so terribly. And I'm like, yeah, it just seems like some, he didn't, he was too good at what he did. I feel like there has to be something he also, as he got later in his career, was seemed to be kind of obsessed with epilogues and ending the plays on a really, like, tying everything up with a bow. So it, just seems- it won't be like the shrew. It won't be like the shrew. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love that. Oh, that's great. I'm going to tie everything up. Yeah. I won't get that stupid note again. Hey, uh, Bill, love you. Uh, but that shrew, I don't know. God well, damn it. I'll never, I'll never live the shrew down. Oh my God, I, I love that. That's that's pretty great. My Shakespeare has a really rough American accent. <laughs> <laughs> Makes perfect sense to me. Yes, Morgan, please go ahead. <laughs> I have a couple of questions that don't necessarily need the answers right now, but I'm just, I'm one is I'm on the subject of obedience. Now I'm trying to like, go through all the characters all throughout the show and all their choices and how it relates to obedience and what, what it means what that means not just for kate and bianca or the women but for all the men and, and how that how so many of their actions are are caught up in that I'm, I'm curious about that what that means if obedience is ultimately the the theme that we're discussing here mm. yeah i mean gosh and we've seen so many um We've seen so many people buck convention and obedience and disguise themselves as something that they're not and up is down and the society has been turned on its head. And it does feel like in a way, you know, that Kate, by saying this, is sort of reestablishing order in this kind of strange way. Um, Usually at the end of the Shakespeare play, like that was the Elizabethan convention, order must be restored, right? doesn't matter if it's a comedy or a tragedy, like... The most, what's interesting is the most high status person usually ends the play. Do you feel like Lucentio is the most high status person by the end of the play? Because mm. I, I definitely don't. I feel like Kate and Petruchio have just left and they, to me, feel like. But that's also like that Much Ado thing, right? Where um, the lovers in Much Ado are like, aren't they kind of more important in a weird way than. Um, the names I'm forgetting right now. Um, the Prince, Don Pedro. Uh, no, so so we have two. So we have two sets of lovers in Much Ado. Yeah. We have um, Hero and Claudio and Beatrice and Benedict. There you go. Thank you. Exactly. And I mean, I remember it as like Benedict, like like um, Hero and Claudio. They seem like while they're a smaller part, they're more core to the like they're the kind of lover protagonists 
and the other relationship the they have more yeah yeah the other relationship has more lines but they don't seem like the central figures as much well the and plot the... is driven by the younger cardio team. and hero yeah 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 just and, and because earlier i had <laughs> said how kate and patrico remind me of them very much yes that makes sense that makes sense but it seems to me like it would be Baptista Vincentio who was ending this play because they are still the authority figures. But yeah, it is. I want another scene with Sly. That's what I'm left with. Like, I want another scene. Like, what does the Lord do? What happens to Cristoforo? Which is the best name ever, Cristoforo. You could put in a little silent scene where he's just sleeping. He's asleep and the others just get up and tuck him in and tiptoe out or do they like throw him back in the mud no no yeah morgan please go ahead strange image uh of like um of like at the end of the play they're all celebrating and then like sly is dancing with his his lady and then accidentally pulls her wig off and then they're all just like what (laughs) ah it's a lie and then the chaos ensues I would love that, that somehow that got resolved in the jig at the end of every play that, that happened at the performances at the Globe. That, <laughs> that like, the page was dancing with Christopher Sly, and then he, like, trod on her dress and, like, <laughs> something. I don't know. <laughs> I think that would be really fun. I, I feel like ending with chaos would be really appropriate for this play. Um, yeah, Coy, please. Yeah, so you're talking about like what takeaways. Um, and if I go away from conceptual and something that has always hit me with this play is there's so many cuh sounds. Yeah. And it just feels like really, I don't know if it's a strange thing to say, but it feels very non-Shakespearean. For some reason, the, that hard K always um, shook me like when first all the lines about kate 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 like kate isn't a shakespeare name what is all these k's the cuh sounds like everything is kiss me kate even is and going like the word kiss like i just there's so many of these hard consonants plosive consonants that i just don't associate that hard sharpness with uh with shakespeare's verse That's an interesting observation. I wonder what it means to quote Hortensio. What does it portend? Um, it certainly says something about Petruchio's character, maybe, that, you know, a lot of those sounds are coming from him. Mm-hmm. Uh, Even some... his name, though. When anyone says his name, they have to say Keo. Yeah. Great observation coming from Koi. <laughs> hey i'm here all week um any any other thoughts Britt? did you have any sort of thoughts about this experience of playing petruchio um i think it certainly helps to try to remove some of my biases you know by playing the character that probably would frustrate me the most um as a female reader um I think what struck me through reading it, though, uh, you know, prior to or my preconceived notions of it was just how much I do see care with him and how much he does have. Like, I think I said this in one of the earlier recordings, but I think Petruchio really has to love and care about Kate in order for this play to make sense. Mm. And it's just so funny how we never really 
talk about that when we talk about the infamous taming of the shrew you know it always comes across as if he's just some i don't know big apish man who's you know wants to rule with an iron fist but that's not the case and in fact kate takes on a lot of those characteristics early on in the play yeah i i found it really really fun to hear petruchio in a woman's voice um and to hear Kate in a male voice, like I, I really, I, I don't know what it was about it, but it, 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 like I think that's the way I would do it if I was staging it, and I might even change the pronouns and just see what that does to the play, the whole mm. play, because that was such a fascinating experience hearing Coy read that with the switched gender uh, pronouns. I, I would be really curious as to what happens if you were to do that with the whole play and, and what that would do to the play and would it change it significantly? Would it make it more palatable, less palatable? I, I, I mean, I just, I don't know. So that would, that that's what I'm leaving this with. Um, mm -hmm. There's there's a lot of baggage. This play, you know, we've said before, it's the 50 pounds, it's over 50 pounds of baggage. You gotta pay the extra fee. Like when you're, when you're taking on this play. Um, and I think what I've taken away is like, you need to be prepared to deal with really, really tough subjects um, that may not have a resolution, but how fun is that? <laughs> um, well, thank you everyone.